everyone, Austin here, and welcome to episode eight of the Carlson Cards podcast, where we interview other collectors to learn more about their strategies and how they go about growing their collection. My interview today was a ton of fun. I just finished up with my buddy, John. I've known John for a few years now. I met him when I actually lived out in Detroit after college for work. Even though I've moved back to Wisconsin, we've still talked a ton and I've really enjoyed watching John grow his collection over time. He's one of the most avid local team collectors I've ever seen with, you know, a ton of just gold prisms and different rare cards for the local Detroit teams. I also really enjoyed chatting with him and kind of picking his brain on grading because he recently sent out his first couple orders. So I always love hearing like what are some pain points and what has gone well so that we can kind of take some of those tips away for ourselves. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Let's kick it over to the conversation. Welcome everyone to episode eight of the Carlson Cards podcast. Uh, this will be an interesting but exciting one here today. So I have um, on John, which is a friend I met in Michigan when I used to live there. So for those of you that don't know, I joined the hobby when I lived in Michigan. Right after college, I moved to Detroit for work, went to a few card shows, had a really good time. Uh, John, along with a bunch of other people that hopefully are listening as well, I met everyone out there, had a really good first experience. Um, so I figured it was time to go back to Detroit, bring in John, talk Detroit PC, cards from the area, that sort of thing. And John did get into the hobby around the same time as me. So I'm sure we're going to you know, talk about that kind of thing, what our journey and trajectory has been at the same time together. So first of all, John, how are you doing? And again, thanks for joining. I appreciate it. Good. Yeah. Thanks, Austin. Thanks for inviting me on. Super excited to do, uh, be on today. I appreciate it. So to kind of get started again, I, I'm I'm pretty familiar with you, man, but I don't even know your origin story, I don't think. So could you kind of dive in on, uh, you know, what kind of got you into cards and especially maybe tie into the Detroit side of things like being in the area? Was it the card shows? Was it, um, you know, you seeing it online? Like, how did you get into the hobby? And um, I guess part of it, too, did you do this as a kid? That sort of thing. would love to hear your background. Yeah, so I probably I joined the hobby. I think I found it back in late 2020. Um I think just surfing on YouTube, you know, you find the card vlog videos and um, seeing some podcast episodes. So uh, kind of joined that way. And then also uh, I think Detroit is pretty specific or unique in the sense that, you know, we have card shows almost every week. So once I found the Facebook group for that and seeing the flyers, I started going to local shows. Um, and then taking it back to the childhood, I really didn't collect sports cards as a kid. It was mostly Pokemon. I mean, I had some like junk wax 90s baseball, but really the focus was all Pokemon. Um, so it's funny, you know, collecting now. I, I collect a little bit of Pokemon, but really it's all just sports cards. That's funny. It's the same for me. It was like I was the Pokemon kid. My parents would buy all oh, that and I guess Yu-Gi-Oh! People say Yu-Gi-Oh! I think that's Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. You had the video games, you had the card show, or I mean the cards, and you had the uh, TV show. So it was all Pokemon. And that was one of those things. I don't think I ever knew how to play the game, but the cards were cool. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, they shine. <laughs> So, so one thing too, obviously you mentioned Detroit already. I did in the intro, um, you know, for the visual here for people on YouTube, I'll share a couple of screenshots I stole from your Instagram. One thing I've appreciated about you, and I, I'd like to think we both kind of have evolved this way. You know, you have the very nice scanner, you scan your photos, super nice. Your Instagram page is just a piece of art. If you're a fan of, you know, the Tigers or Lions or I mean, any of the Detroit teams. So I'd love if you could just touch on, um, you know, maybe some of these cards and these players that I see here. And if you want to kind of shout out again what the card is we're looking at as you tell some of these stories, that'd be great just for those who can't see the visual. I know yeah. I'm seeing a lot of Stafford and, you know, some some baseball. So point, how'd you get here? I guess you eventually you just kind of find your niche in the hobby niche. And, uh, you know, I, I have that connection to Detroit players, mostly the legends or who I grew up watching. So 
you're going to see a lot of Stafford, some Verlander, some Cabrera, some Calvin Johnson, um, and then mix in a couple other guys like Kobe. That's my favorite basketball player of all time. Uh, love collecting the 90s inserts. And then, yeah, you see Joker there um, and a little bit of Kate Cunningham just because you got to collect some of the new stuff. So, so one question specifically that comes to mind seeing this, and I hope I say this the right way as a Packers fan. So you guys don't have as many championships, or I should say very recently. I got to hit you with this five minutes in. Um, so I know for me, and I've had Chris on from who is a Ravens collector, you know, kind of the players and cards that are nostalgic for him are those like championship seasons. Um, I know for basketball, you have that again. I've seen some of your cards. You have some players from those teams. But for football and like sports like that, where you haven't had a championship in a while, what do you feel kind of, you know, decides that like, hey, these are the players that are nostalgic for me? Are they just good teams? Like what, what's kind of the threshold for you? Yeah, I guess the bar has been set pretty low for Detroit sports in recent years. But um, I mean, Stafford's still probably the, you know, he's the best quarterback, you know, the, the Lions have ever had. And uh, easily, you know, Calvin's the best wide receiver. So those are just players like I feel that attachment to. You know, even though they don't have a ton of playoff success or anything, um, just growing up watching them, like I feel that nostalgia when I pick up their cards, you know. So it's kind of a kind of a gut feel. Do I have nostalgia for it? Do I not? That sort of thing. Yeah. And honestly, what it is also is they're they're much more affordable because they're they're not in the spotlight, you know, these days, like some of the brand new players. So, yeah, that's that's a big motivator as well. Uh, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. But, yeah, it makes sense. Right. Because you. I mean, you have Lions fans, people are Lions fans, but then if you're, you know, Mahomes versus a Stafford, you don't have that like, oh, every kid wants to be, you know, uh, sorry, not Stafford, but you know what I mean? They all want to be Mahomes. They want to follow the yeah. Chiefs because they're so flashy and everything. Whereas, you know, the Lions now, it's they're fun to watch because they're gritty. Like true sports fans enjoy watching them, I would say, but, you know, they're maybe not the most hyped up. So it sounds like you just said too, that kind of makes this a more affordable way to grow a collection as a target, those kind of players. Yeah, definitely. And you know, these types of players, their cards are a lot less volatile, I would say, you know, um, like Verlander and Cabrera, their legacies are kind of established the same with Calvin Johnson. So it's like, um, I don't have to worry too much if I, you know, buy a $500 or a thousand dollar card, like it's not gonna, there's no chance of it dropping to 200, you know, their, their value and their legacy has already been established. So that's kind of a little safety net, I guess, as well. So did you, when you came in, I was going to ask this as well, you know, I've kind of hinted at this on here a few times, like right when I came in in 2020, again, it sounds like you were the same. It was the, you know, super modern basketball players that I didn't care about. And I was, you know, watching because I wanted their cards to go up. They didn't go up. They kept going down. Um, were you always a person who dove into these like nostalgic players that again, for baseball, basketball, football, that sort of thing, or did you get kind of caught up in that hype at the time, right? When you came in as well. Right. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, when I first came in, I really was focused on um, the O three O four Pistons and a lot of like the refractors, like that's just what caught my attention. And they were so cheap. You could pick them up for like 10 bucks or less. Now I did. Yeah. I got caught up a little bit in some of that base prism hype, but um, I, I wasn't grading any myself. It was more, um, you know, opportunity maybe to make 10 bucks here or something like that, but it wasn't really the focus. Um, so yeah, really from the start, um, I, I was picking up guys that I would consider Detroit legends and, you know, cards that I thought were cool and that I liked. So with that part in mind, you kind of, you know, hinted there too a little bit, like the make $10 here and there. Is, is that kind of, would you say like card shows and, you know, slow rolling, you know, maybe buying a couple cards, selling them. And then on the side, were you kind of like stashing away 
players. Like now I've had a lot of fun at the point I'm at where I kind of put the work in, you have the process, the eBay store, you set up at card shows, you know, you sell the players you don't care as much about, but you still, you know, have to wheel and deal a little bit to be able to afford a, a, a personal collection. What's kind of been your story on that side of things when it comes to, you know, growing a collection, let's say responsibly, how, how did that happen for you? Yeah, right. So I guess every dollar I ever made back from cards, like I didn't want, um, I put back into the hobby. So like I kept my card money separate than like my personal money. It's just way easier like that. Um, but also, yeah, like you said, I, I would keep cards off to the side, put them in a two row box. So I have, you know, a full two row box of, you know, refractors of guys that I consider, you know, legends for Detroit. Um, but also, yeah, like, you know, not everyone wants a Miguel Cabrera or Stafford or Calvin. So you have to understand like to get those cards, you, you have to, you know, sell some of the other ones, you know, that people do want the, the new quarterbacks or some of the top prospects in basketball like that. Like those are the cards that move even locally. So um, you have to kind of play, you know, in both roles. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good way to put it when it comes to growing uh, again, the legends, you know, I'm seeing in front of me just from this snip I have. And I know from us talking, um, it seemed like a lot of what you've done too is go for runs when it comes to, let's say Matthew Stafford, right? You've gone after kind of the prism golds. It seems like I know for other players, it's, it seems to be pretty similar. And then you have Kobe where, you know, you've kind of done more of the rare inserts and that sort of thing. Is that kind of, would you say like uh, two separate ways you've collected and, you know, could you just touch on have, which have you enjoyed more and maybe the differences between those two types of approaches? Right. Yeah. So yeah, they're completely different. So when I first got back into the hobby, I definitely gravitated towards those nineties inserts. Like every time I just see them in showcases at the local shows, you know, they caught my attention way more than a base prism. Um, and then Kobe being my all-time favorite player, it was just an easy decision to start going, you know, for some of his rare inserts. And then I also fell in love with, you know, all the pack odds, you know, when you can cards, those packs aren't getting open today. And then when it's, you know, some of the inserts are one in 360 packs, like I just kind of like, Oh, that's cool. Like that's rare. And I really fell in love with that. And then, yeah, like you touched on the gold runs. Um, I just thought it was something cool. Like, I don't know if I've seen anyone else do that. And I'm like, if I could get every Stafford and a gold prism in his Detroit uniform, that's just something cool, especially since his values have come, you know, back down to earth after a Super Bowl. So uh, it's something that I, I see attainable and kind of a cool goal to go after. So specifically on those golds, I was going to ask that too. So I know a lot of the cards that I see on your profile and that you're picking up and sharing, it seems like gold is a major theme. Um, you know, I think that I've seen it with other people as well. Why, why is that for you? Do you just love the look or is it more of the numbering and the scarcity? Like why, why gold? Why, why gold for you? Yeah, I, it's definitely gotten harder and more expensive recently, but you know, back in early, you know, late 2020, early 2021, I could pick up golds of nobodies for less than 20 bucks, right. In their Detroit uniform. Um, but it's, it's really just the combination of rarity being numbered out of 10, um, that eye appeal, you know, gold, it just shines, especially those early years. It just shines like nothing other. And then um, really, I think just Prism, you know, in 15 years, maybe 10 years, it's going to look back on as a pretty iconic set for this era. And so I, I just, the, that combination of those three is really what guided me towards, you know, collecting those. So I wanted to ask one other question too. To what extent have you grown this gold prism collection? I've seen photos from you where you have like stacks upon stacks of guys ranging from superstars to, you know, kind of nobodies, but they happen to be Detroit players. And the reason I want to ask is just because, you know, as a, as a Packer fan, I've always been intrigued by just 
going back and I've seen people do it where you collect kind of the team sets and all these different sets. Like you'll go after, you know, the Pistons in 2014 prism gold or like, you know, Mm -hmm. Packer players, whatever. So I guess, again, go back to my question, to what extent have you grown this? Like what's kind of scale are we talking when you look back on what you have for your Detroit PC for gold prisms? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, really anyone in a Detroit uniform I'll pick up in a gold prism. Um, It's, I, it's probably grown about a full two row box so far. And it's from names, nobody's that never made it, you know, six round picks to all the way up to like Stafford's and Calvin Johnson's and uh, some of the inserts that are gold as well. So it's, I, I treat them all the same. Like I go after them equally, I guess you could say, um, even if they're $20 or if they're, you know, a uh, thousand, it doesn't, you know, it's the same to me. Like I just want them. So <laughs> What's the, uh, what's the trick to finding them then too? Do you have like a, is there a way to save a search for like just Detroit lions, gold prison? Like, I feel like I always struggle with that. You pull in so many cards you don't want, like from this year's mosaic or whatever. How, yeah. how do you go about saving a search and really finding all these different cards? So yeah, I do have unique searches for some of the key players. That'll be, you know, gold Stafford, gold Calvin or gold Miguel Carrera. And then also, yeah, like you said, the team names, I'll have, you know, gold out of 10 Lions, gold out of 10 Pistons. And then even broader, I'll just do gold out of 10 and save that search and do it by newly listed. And so I see most gold prism cards that get listed and I'll check that, you know, I don't 15 times a day, you know, because, you know, and like, OK, this is this is where I started on the last time I searched this so I can stop. But, yeah, uh, you got to have multiple strategies to try to catch everything. What would you say has been one of your more memorable cards you caught right when it got listed? Are there any that come to mind, whether recently or in a while back? Any anything that you just caught right away and were like, I had to buy that right when I saw it? Um, yeah, a couple come to mind. One um, you'll see on my Mount Rushmore later is the 2012 Gold Stafford that was listed on eBay, and um, I sent an offer and they accepted it pretty quickly. Uh, and then the other was something I thought was just way undervalued. It was a 2015 Isaiah Thomas gold prism. And I think they, they listed like a hundred bucks and I just instantly snapped that. Cause you know, that, that card on bids would probably go double that if not more. So that's one that's more recent and that'll probably go out my next PSA order. So. That's awesome. So speaking of PSA orders, it's a good segue. One of the things I wanted to bring you on here, you know, a, a big topic I want to chat about was, uh, going from somebody who hadn't graded to now, I know you've sent a few orders off, um, had, mm-hmm. I think mixed results, some good, some bad. What's been your biggest takeaway from grading? Like, and how has that journey been? So if you could just touch on maybe some things that surprise you, some things, you know, are still a learning experience. Is there anything that comes to mind for anyone listening who, you know, collects, but doesn't grade yet? Like, could you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So it's definitely still a work in progress, I'd say with learning, but I mean, my number one takeaway, it's it's the most fun thing I do in the hobby, I think, now. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't check my grades until they come back. And that's the closest thing I can think of to, like, when you're a kid opening up presents on Christmas Day. Like, just when those grades, when they come back in the mail and you open them up, like, there's nothing like it. Um, so, yeah, that's number one. It, it, it's fun. Like, it's really fun. Grading PC cards and grading cards that you think someone else might really enjoy in their PC. Uh, number two is probably the margins like it's very hard in the hobby to you know make a couple extra bucks to fund your pc other than grading i think that's where you can really separate the margins because you can take a a ten dollar fifteen dollar card 
you know, grade it, let's say another 20 bucks. Now you're into it for 35, 40, whatever. And it gets a 10. It, it, if it's the right card, it could be a hundred dollar card, you know, if not more. Sorry. Can I throw out one point to that? Yeah, that you absolutely. Know, you made me think of it. Something I realized, I want to get your thoughts on this and then we'll come back to number three. Um, I was thinking the same thing that you just said, where like grading feels like the good way to, again, like you said, get margin to some extent, if you're trying to use that time, that way of saying it versus like, I see a lot of videos online of people going to card shows and nothing against these folks, but like you have to make money on the buy or the sell otherwise. And like, this is a way where you can, it feels like put the work in and then, you know, you earn the money instead of having to kind of scheme your way to get a great deal from somebody or pulling over on somebody on the sale. Like, I don't know. What, what do you think about that off of what you just said? No. Yeah, exactly. Like, cause even if let's say, yeah, I don't like being that guy at shows that's offering 70%. Like I just don't like that interaction or 80%. So, I mean, um, but when you're buying cards, even on eBay, like let's say you buy a PSA 10 on eBay for a hundred bucks, you can't take it to a show and try to get 150 for it. Everyone's going to see that comp. Like that, that's, it's just not a thing, but if you're patient and if you're willing to, you know, put in the time to prep the cards for grading, you know, that's where you can make the margins. Cause you can take that card that, like I said, we said, you know, it can only be 20 bucks and turn it into a hundred dollar card, you know, and maybe it is a low pop and there aren't any comps on it, or it has a low gem rate or whatever it may be. So I, that's just really the only way I found in the hobby to really make, you know, funds back to fund that PC. I think the best part too is when you buy that, like I know you, and we'll touch on a card specifically that I remember you graded recently that, you know, you buy the card raw and then instead of you paying a PSA 10 premium, you bought it raw, graded it yourself. Now you have a card for your collection for, you know, essentially pennies on the dollar, but we'll get to that card anyways. But yeah, if you want to jump it back to your discussion on grading, I think you were had a, you were going to a third point. The first two, it sounded like what were, um, you know, the number one was just, it's a lot of fun. And then number two was that it's a good way to, like you said, make margin and maybe sell a couple cards to pay for your PC cards. Were there any other points that would be helpful to somebody to share? Um, yeah, from what I learned so far, it's just take chances. Like, you know, just because a card, maybe you think it has, you know, a, a defect, you know, the grader might not see it the same. And a card that you think maybe gets an eight or nine, I've had those cards come back tens um, and vice versa. So like, if you think, if you really believe in a card's condition, and you're like, man, this is a 10 all day. And it comes back and it gets like an eight or, you know, it, it, a nine, maybe depending on the card. Like, don't be afraid to crack it and, you know, resubmit it. Just take chances. I like that, too. I, I think that was always my biggest hurdle with the grading. And a lot of people's is you think you're going to get an eight and it's the end of the world and all this. But if you send 10 cards, I'm always amazed those couple that sneak the 10. And I shouldn't say sneak as if they don't deserve it. I'm sure they do into the grader. Obviously, they did. But it's like, I think we're always so picky on our own cards. Like, I don't know. Are you the same way? Do you feel that way sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Like very rarely I'll send a card and not think there's at least some minor, you know, little flaw with it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly what you're saying. It's like every card I send, it's like, oh, that's probably a nine. That's probably a nine. That's probably a nine. And then it's like, oh, 10. And then two nines. But okay, you know, I got one of them. That's not right. Bad. And that's the thing though with grading is you never know like who's actually grading your cards. Because sometimes you'll send in an order of, let's say 20 cards. And it comes back with a 45% gem rate. And you thought those were all like in really good shape and really good condition. And then another order, let's say a month later comes back and same kind of cards. And you know, you get like a 70% gem rate. You just never know. So I, especially with the prices of what grain are now, like I would take chances if they're cards that you believe in. Oh yeah. For 15 bucks, you can't, you can't beat it. It's like, right. 
It's it's so tough. I, I love this. I always thought back to man, if only it became fifteen dollars again. And now it is, and we get to live it. So it's been a lot of fun. It's cool. Even people who watch and listen to these or my other videos, and they reach out and like, hey, I graded my first order, and then I'm like, holy crap, you had these cards just sitting around. Like again, some of the ones you graded too. I'm just like, what the heck? And then they're just tens. It's like, I don't know. I love it. Like you said, it's just a fun part of the hobby. Um, yeah. If you don't mind, I was going to jump over to your Mount Rushmore so we could chat some of your cards that, you know, in your book are the top four, your favorite in your collection, regardless of value. Uh, so if you, as we go through these, could just describe the card as well. So people, again, just a reminder, listening can, you know, visually see what you're chatting about. So what's the first card we got here? Yeah. So we'll just go from left to right, I guess. So uh, first off, we have a 2013 Gold Prism Chauncey Billups uh, PSA 9. Uh, so that's that card's very special to me just because um chauncey was you know mr big shot he was the finals mvp uh for the last time the pistons won a championship was 0304 so that just has that you know uh nostalgia feeling for me being a detroit pistons fan and then in 2012 he was on the clippers so that's why you know 2013 is that first year in his pistons uniform so that's why i put that card in my route mount rushmore so i i have to confess before this i did some research on that championship team Oh my God, they were good on defense. <laughs> like, yeah. it's insane. I saw they held them like the it was the Lakers, right? Yep. They, yeah, yeah, that pretty like just disgustingly low scores every game. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the Lakers were heavy favorites in that series. Again, I was only nine or ten years old, but I do remember watching it. And I think because the Lakers had Shaq and Kobe and Peyton and Carl Malone, so they were heavy favorites. And I think we won in five games. So, yeah, big defensive. And then Tayshawn has that iconic block against Reggie Miller. I'm sure you've seen that as well. So. Yeah. Just insane. How do you so get funny. this card to uh, out of curiosity? How'd you get it? Uh, I think it was an eBay auction. I think it was just one of those ones that I wasn't, you know, willing to lose it. So I just put in a bid that I was very comfortable with. So yeah, it was coming home with me no matter what. Do you find yourself <laughs> doing that more and more? I feel like I am, or it's like if a buy it now pops up, I just buy it. If the, I always used to be, we're all like, you know, psychology. It's like, I want to get $50 off, but sometimes now I've just been hitting the, you know, bin cause I've lost too many. Right. Yeah. That. And yeah, sometimes I'll send an offer and then like two hours later, I'm like, no, I'm not willing to lose it. Like you said for that 50 bucks. So yeah, you just bin it. Um, but yeah, sometimes I think lately on like a lot of these cards, I've been putting in bids that I think are super like almost double the last comp and I'm still the underbidder on some of them. So it's just, that's the way it goes these days, I guess. I guess that's a good thing if, you know, multiple people are wanting these types of cards and I'm, I'm doing something right. I, I was going to say that goes to the point that someone else told me this too. It's funny when the market quote, you know, is just going down is what everyone says, but then the cards you want are <laughs> you're losing every auction. It's like, okay, you know, maybe I am buying the, probably the right stuff here, you know, at yeah. least with other people that are interested. That's really cool. I'd imagine, of course, this is one that's up there for that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So second card I'm seeing is a very gold, shiny looking Kobe. What do we got here? Yeah, it's a 1997 Ultra Star Power Supreme Kobe Bryant uh, BGS9. Definitely one of my favorite 90s inserts that I have. Um, I guess I chose this one because it, it combines all the elements of it's an acetate card. It's got photos on both sides. Uh, it's a die cut and it's a hollow foil. So uh, it's one of those and it's, it's pretty rare. I think uh, they came in series two packs, one in 288 packs and being a 20 player set you know to find kobe specifically that's one in every 5760 packs so um a pretty rare card and one that's super condition sensitive um so it that hollow foil like in that sh shooting star in the top left that starts to peel a lot so my copy 
um, at least when I saw it, I, I thought it was pretty good for BGS nine having that hollow foil not really peel too much. Uh, so that's why I wanted this one. So I didn't ask earlier because I knew we were going to get to this card. Um, what kind of led to Kobe Bryant collecting? Was it was it the the fact that you liked the cards and sets he was in? Is it all about the player? Like why why Kobe? Um, yeah, he's just one of those players. Like you just loved how he played the game. Um, you know, you grew up playing basketball. Like everyone's trying to imitate Kobe. You know, everyone's shooting Kobe, even in the classroom shooting paper balls of trash like you know you yell kobe as you shoot it so it's just one of those guys like he just seems to have been around our whole life and uh yeah and i just love the 90s designs and like how rare the cards were so it was just you know i, I figured why not just target kobe specifically with the rarity in mind too off of what you just said what's the tip for people trying to you know get more into the 90s and the inserts and especially to learn about the pack odds where, where do you find a lot of that info for the pack odds uh, I mean, really, it's just a Google search. You know, you, you type in the insert and you type in pack odds. I think I, I found a lot of it on Beckett. That's usually where it directs you the most. Um, but then also it's really important to just look at pop reports and gem rates for these types of cards, too, because some are impossible to gem, right, especially now being over 20 years old. So uh, that's another important factor. Have you? So I, I know a lot of them you've bought. I think you bought a lot of you've bought a lot of your Kobe inserts over the years. Um, typically graded. Typically, I think a lot of Beckett actually, if I recall right, is that right? A lot of Beckett. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's just how they've come. I, th I think just because a lot more people used to grade with Beckett, you know, um, let's say ten years ago. So I think that's why a lot of them are in BGS holders. Yeah, I've never graded any uh, '90s inserts myself. That's so. where I was getting with it. I was going to ask, cause I've thought the same thing, you know, I've grade a lot of the two thousands like football and it's been a lot of fun. I've always thought of like, man, how fun would it be doing some of the Kobe and stuff? But I think the dilemma, as I'm saying, this is that a lot of it was already graded. I think that's the, probably the biggest drawback, but you could cross some of these, but the problem is what benefit are really, you know, BGS signed to PSA nine. What kind of jump is that really worth? And for your collection, I'm sure you don't even care. So it's probably not worth it. Right. That, and then, yeah. What if it goes, I mean, again, it's in my PC, but what, it, you know, there's a chance it goes from BGS nine to a PSA seven. Cause you don't really know <laughs> until you crack the slab, you don't know hundred percent what condition that card is in. So that, and yeah, a lot of the rare copies or sorry, raw copies are in collections that, you know, people have had forever and they're not going anywhere. Like people are still collecting and some collectors specifically only collect raw. So it's not the easiest to find raw copies of this out there. Yeah, you got to watch out for the nightmare scenario. I know Chris, when he was on the pod, he said he, I think he had a, it was a Jordan Red PMG. I think it was a BGS 8.5 and he snapped it. I think it got a five or a six, but he said that PSA is not, um, what do you say? They're more, they're more strict on certain things than, than BGS is, for instance, which I'd imagine probably that logic fits with a lot of these type of inserts where, like you said, you get the film peeling and stuff because maybe PSA treats that as a seven. Who knows, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, it's for the PC. So I don't, it doesn't matter to me if it's a BGS or a PSA holder. That's awesome. And especially I was going to ask too. So how do you, how do you store your cards? I know I saw behind you um, on video, not everyone can see this, but you, you, you collect shoes as well. You store them in a really neat way. It looked like display. Do you do anything like that with your cards or have you thought about doing something like that? Uh, maybe one day, sadly, no, I don't have anything now. They just sit in either a two row or in, you know, a Zion case. So no, there's nothing, no special like display cases that light up or anything like that yet for cards. You and I both have to get something. Cause I, my wife was saying that the other day it was like, 
Well, I shouldn't say she was saying it. I try to show her my cards all the time because no one else wants to look at them. And then it's like, I'm thinking, man, it'd be cool to put something on the wall or whatever. And I know there's companies that do that, but I just never have one out of my way to try to figure something out. I, I keep them in like binders or like you said, the two rows anyway, but I don't know. It'd be cool to have cards around you all the time. I always consider that. Yeah. Like those show your slab displays that are like fully acrylic that hang on the wall. Those are really cool. Yeah. That's definitely something that you could see. Do you yeah, know what the, how, much, how much those are out of curiosity? I've never looked one up to seriously buy it. I was just curious. Not so, that we're sponsored by this company, but I, yeah, yeah. I, I think, thought it looked cool. So I have, so I actually have one hung up in my office here. Oh, it's okay. actually, I can show you it after, but it's the original base set of uh, hollows for Pokemon and PSA slabs. And uh, that's 16 holders. or So it's four by four. And I think that was like 160 bucks. Oh, okay. So it's pricey, um, but not like obscene where you, you wouldn't ever get one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So teach their own. Yeah, good, cool product though. All right, so now um, we're going to go to the third card. And I think I already hinted at this one a little bit. It has an interesting story to it of how it got to be in the case it's in. So what what's the card we got here? Yeah, so we have a 2014 Gold Prism uh, Calvin Johnson intros insert. Um, so it's a pretty intricate die cut. Uh, this is a sentimental card to me because it was actually part of the first PSA order I ever sent off. So um, it did get a PSA 10 and it's a pop one. And if I didn't grade this myself, I think I found it raw on eBay. If I didn't grade it myself, there's no way, you know, this card would be in my collection. So um, that's why it's on the Mount Rushmore. And you mean from like uh, buying it as a PSA 10, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't want to shell out the cash for it probably. Yeah, yeah. Either that or, you know, whoever there's, plenty of other collectors that collect megatron like they just wouldn't let it go wouldn't even be available so that's the other thing too you know if they would have gotten a psa 10 i'm sure you know they, they wouldn't let it go um it's, it's been pretty hard to find calvin johnson gold i'm not gonna lie yeah they don't come i've, up very I've often. tried as well it's very very yeah. hard we have that in in, in familiarity yeah because you've graded some cards from the set right i think i've seen you with a Peyton. Yeah, don't remind me. I graded a Peyton. I got a four or six, I think. I think a six. But mine had a crease in it. Yours looks really yours looks really nice from the scan here. But mine had a crease. Besides that, it was really nice. The die cut was clean, but it just had a crease in it. So I got like a six, I think. But yeah, I still no, have it, the but... show. You can still find like clean raw on eBay. Like, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was super lucky with that one and super pumped when that one came back a ton. So I got to ask too, well, I guess, first of all, um, for those who haven't seen the intro set, could you describe like this design, just like explain like the coolness to it? Cause I, I, I was going to, but I'm like, no, I'll let you run with this. Like, why is this design so cool to you? So the, yeah, the scan doesn't really do it justice for how much it shines, but um, I don't know. It's just, it's very intricate as, as far as the die cut, like it says the word intros, it's a horizontal card. Um I don't know. I just, it's a pop one. I don't think it's ever going to, I don't think that pop's ever going to grow. I, I love the, I love the design, how he's like, like he's running out of the tunnel too. Like right. that's crazy. And the players that are in this set are absurd. Cause it's like Ray Lewis. Uh, what? Yeah. Like Peyton Manning. Peyton, Brady. Uh, there's more, there's a lot more I've seen. Yeah. Like Andrew Lux in it as well. I can't think of the rest though. Yeah. No, it's yeah. All those guys that hype up the crowd like that. That's the part that I think is really cool about this. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a cool one. So, so one question too, again, I know we've touched on like the Detroit PC side of things, um, but I was going to ask, what is it about Megatron where he is like, I guess I'll put it this way. So he is uber collectible. His cards are very expensive. I know because I've looked, I can't find any. Um, I just got actually, I showed you a finest 2007 finest gold refractor, which is crazy to me that I own that now. Congrats, um, yeah, it's a big but, one. but it seems like nobody wants to let their stuff go. Like, what is that about him? But then like, you have a guy like, 
I'm just thinking like Julio Jones, it feels like there's collectors, right? But his stuff is just significantly, significantly cheaper than Kelvin. And I'd have to imagine their stats aren't career-wise aren't that much different. I mean, I'm sure they're a little bit off, but what is it about Kelvin? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he just has some of those like absolute highlight reel catches. Um, but you're right. Like he doesn't have the playoff success. You know, he played on the Lions, which isn't, you know, the hottest team. You know, I don't, I don't know really to be truthful. I don't. I don't know what makes him super collectible. He's just, you know, he's one of the best players I ever played for the Detroit Lions. And I grew up, you know, watching all the time. So that's why I like him. But yeah, you, you can't find his cards. That's for sure. Maybe we can attribute it to like Lions fans being ferocious and like obsessed. Yeah, with they're them. diehard collectors, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Because you don't, I don't even see him at local shows. Like you just, you never see him. I wonder if it's too his personality, I think is part of it. Like, I don't know. Not that I, again, I don't know Julio Jones' personality. I picked on him a second ago. But like, seriously, because he's just like, in interviews and stuff, he's just like, I think he's probably the closest thing like a Barry Sanders that Detroit has had sense where he's so, so humble and so loves the city, even though they, towards the end of the career, I think kind of trashed him a bit, right? When he retired. Yeah, yeah. Young, he's but... coming back. He, there's been reports. He'll be around more. He has been around Good. more. Good. But, uh, yeah. I think they've smoothed things over, but yeah, you're right. It's kind of like Barry uh, during his career, absolutely adored, loved, um, but kind of had a sour ending. So and they never had much playoff success, but that's that's the fate of the Detroit Lions, you know. Sour ending sounds like me with Aaron Rodgers, but no, <laughs> I but like Rodgers. But we're going through that now too. You know what I mean? Like where the player just leaves abruptly, and you're kind of left with the pieces of like, what do you do about this mentally? Right, right, right. But doesn't that um, going back to your Julio Jones point? Like that almost makes me want to pick up some Julio Jones because, like you said, he's so much cheaper. Guys like AJ Green, I picked up their golds because I'm just like, it just makes sense to me because. You know, those are still other players that we grew up watching that were like, those are top two, three receivers, you know, in their day. And they're, yeah, it was because it was, it truly was Kelvin, Julio Jones, AJ Green for like three or four years. Those were like the top guys. And like you said, yeah, that's, it kind of leads the collectability. It's the like, oh, I have similar memories with this guy. He's also, you know, a tenth of the price of this other guy. You you know, you kind of, it's kind of this little, you're like a, um, you know, you're like an investigator trying to figure out why should I collect this player? These are all good evidence of like, Oh, that'd be kind of fun. I always think that way too. I like that. Yeah. Like if you think it's a cool card and it's like a player, people are going to remember, like there's a good chance someone else out there does too. So. And they're going to see your collection and be like, holy crap, John, you know, you got these Julio Jones, you got these AJ Greens. It's so cool. No, I know. No, I mean, yeah, but those are all available, you know, cause that's how I fund the Staffords or the Calvins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. So your fourth card here is a big one. Um, I think you already kind of mentioned it. Uh, what do we got here? Yeah, so we have a 2012 Gold Prism, Matthew Stafford, uh, PSA 9. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned before, um, this was one of those ones on eBay when it popped up. I sent an offer that I thought was a strong offer, and the seller accepted. Uh, so super happy to have that one in the collection. Obviously, um, probably the hardest one to get, I would say, for the Gold Prism run, hopefully. <laughs> um, but also, that 2012 Shine, um, it's just different. It's It shines kind of like early select, like 2012, 2013 select. The shine on those early uh, refractor cards are insane, or prism cards. Do you have any 2012s? Do I have any 2012s? That's a good question. So I only have, um, I'm trying to think. So I for sure have a Chris Johnson I bought, but it was right. like, it had a crease in it. It was, it was like, like on the description said, you know, there's an issue with it. Um, I haven't got it back from grading. It's probably gonna be like a six or seven, but I still want to get in a slab. That's for the, my collection too. But it's crazy to me how... Um, yeah, that is my only 2012. Sorry, I was just thinking about that. But it's crazy to me how the 
the the ratio between the 2012 to like a 13 or a 14 it makes me want to go buy like 14 15 you know yeah. that those years because 2012 is like i mean that chris johnson that was damaged it was a it was considered to me i felt like it was a great deal at the couple hundred i bought it for mm -hmm. but the other years of prism you can get for like 30 or 40 bucks like it's just crazy yeah, to me. a tenth yeah like yeah eighth of it yeah i mean i think because there are those people out there that just collect 2012 so yeah, and if this card would have went on bid, like who knows? Like I don't know, especially with how I've been losing cards lately. Like I don't know what that would have ended at. Like I'm glad enough to find out. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, like 2014, that's actually my favorite year of Prism. I just I don't know if it's possible to get any more gold on the card. You know, like they just they're absolutely beautiful. So yeah, that the early background, everything. It's just so shiny. But yeah, like you, I think you said too. It's like for football that 2013 select year. That's like the one I've really been grabbing because. Like price point wise, it makes sense. Design mm -hmm. wise, it's beautiful. And I'm sure 14's in that same boat, but it is definitely appreciated. All those years are appreciated and like desired, which is really neat. Right. Yeah. I think it's just that first year thing. Like, I don't, you know, that first year just puts that premium on it. And I think the other thing with like, what's your cutoff years? I was going to ask this for like Prism, like where you think it's like these are way better than let's say like, like today is my problem with these years lately. It's like there's a, prism gold there's a shimmer gold there's a gold no huddle there's a you know what i mean yeah. like does that affect where your stance is in all the years like to me i really would only consider collecting like 2012 to 2017 maybe for that reason like do you think that same logic sometimes yeah like i mean i definitely oh i'll collect all of them just because that's what i like collecting but yeah i think like 2015 and earlier i really like the designs like there's a lot they're more like minimalistic looking and there's a lot more shine on them in gold um and then, yeah when you get into at least for prism when you get into like 16 17 18 still look good in my opinion they're just they're not comparable to those early years and then like you said like select like early select 2012 2013 select looks so much better than you know the new stuff like you said there's way too many parallels and i don't really touch the new select or anything like that i think partially it might be like you said 15 and earlier what comes to mind is like i think you've said this ready the sheer amount of gold on the card like 16 kind of you start getting a little bit of a weird design where it's not a lot of gold going on so yeah you got like other things going on in the background of the photos right so yep mm -hmm. yeah it kind of takes away whereas like the 2012 you're seeing here it's just like he's just running like it's just clean and simple or the even the chauncey here it's just like a real simple design like it's just so nice yeah yep Awesome. So John, if you don't mind, could we wrap up with five quick questions? And then, um, you know, these are typically just give me the first thing that comes to mind. I'm going to pick on you a little bit, but that's okay. okay. Yeah. So the so first one, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully, uh, what do you call it? A softball, an easy one here. So what's the favorite game you've attended? Like whether it be any sport, but what's your favorite professional sports game you've attended locally? Oh, okay. That's a good question. Actually, it's probably not a softball. It probably is a hard question. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't remember the exact date, but I mean, it's actually probably a tiger. Like, again, we haven't had a lot of success lately, so there hasn't been anything too crazy to speak of, uh, sadly. But um, it was probably uh, so. My, actually, my favorite baseball player to collect isn't nobody, no, probably people know. His name's Alex Avila. He was a catcher for the Tigers. I think he debuted way back in like 2012 or 13. But anyway, I went to like his second game ever and. Um, when I was like 12 years old and he hit a home run. And uh, so he was my favorite player from then on. I actually have a full like two row box of all his cards too, because they're dirt cheap. You know, anytime I go to local shows and I find them in value boxes, I'll just pick them up. Uh, but that's probably the most memorable and like my favorite game. Cause he was a catcher and I played catcher in high school and everything. So 
it just resonated with me. That's really cool. Like kind of connecting that to your own playing. I like that. That's really neat. Um, I did have to share my favorite game. I went to the Detroit Lions 016 game with my dad at Lambeau. So oh, okay, no big deal. Okay. I thought for some reason you were gonna say you went to the the Hail Mary game. I don't oh, know. Why. No, That's no, like no. the first I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. No, I was gonna say though, but one vivid memory from that game, and I think you'll probably find this cool. Like I was young. I mean, this is probably I don't know. I had to think I was like 10 or 11, probably. I don't know exactly when that year was, but I remember the guys in front of me, they're Lions fans, like really friendly guys. But the number one thing they said to me, they literally, the guy turned to me and said, you, you guys are, you guys can enjoy this game, whatever, but keep an eye out for this Kelvin Johnson, dude. He's going to be really freaking good. I think it was like his second or third year in the league, but, and then, yeah, he, he was in fact insane. Should have started so. picking up his cards then. I know. <laughs> yeah. If only that would have been cool. Um, <laughs> So second question, which Detroit team, um, again, serious question, which Detroit team do you think is the closest to winning your next next championship? I know it's kind of, probably kind of tricky, too. You don't know the future. But if you had to guess, like, what's the closest for you? I mean, I don't want to jinx it, but there's a lot of hype around the Lions this year. And I don't think they're, like, championship ready, but people definitely have playoff aspirations. Um, you know, the Tigers are kind of in a full rebuild right now. The, the Pistons have some young talent, but – the NBA, it's so hard to win. Um, I, I probably have to go with the Lions. Yeah, that I like that pick. I think they're going to be fun to watch. I enjoy watching them, and especially because like if you play fantasy football, everybody gets the damn ball, and they throw so many passes, they run so many plays. I don't know why, but but I think because their defense has been so bad, that might be part of it too. But yeah, yeah. And I don't know. I shouldn't say they've been so bad, but you get a lot of points scored against you guys. But then you you, you dish it right back with a good offense. So, and then the third question. So. With that in mind, which team you think is the closest? Which team do you want to win the most? If you had to pick one and you could single-handedly make their, you know, next championship, what well, what team would you pick? Oh man. I probably again have to go with the Lions. There's mm-hmm. just they've been tortured, you know, for <laughs> what, 40 years, like 30 years. Um I think if they won, the city would rally around that team like no other. Like it would be it would be pretty crazy that championship parade. Like I have no idea, but you know, cause in my lifetime, we haven't really even had any success. Like mm-hmm. I was born in the mid nineties. So um, I didn't really see any success, but I think, yeah, it'd be the lions. I, I would literally probably drive out for that championship parade. That'd be insane. Cause I obviously, <laughs> like I said, I live down there and I know what this city is like very passionate. It's just, you know, starved for it. So that'd be, it, it erupt. I bet <laughs> it would yeah. erupt. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. So, so fourth question here. I've asked a bunch of people this one in a row. It came from um, Mulligan Cards, I think, on Instagram. So if you could only collect one year of cards, and you probably thought this one through already, maybe not. I was hoping you wouldn't ask it. (laughs) If you could only collect one year of cards and you could get any set, any player, any sport in that year, but you have to stick to that year, which year would you take and why? This is a tough question because, yeah, I have heard you ask this recently, and there's been some good picks. Um. I probably go with 2014 um, and it might not be like the right answer, but I just, that's my there favorite. There is no design. right answer. You're good. Yeah. That's no my right favorite uh, design of Prism. Um, and then also they have like in flawless, there's some pretty cool like game use patches, like some jumbo patches out of flawless. And there's some nice on-card autos and stuff like that. And then, you know, you still have your tops Chrome and yeah, I'd probably go with 2014. 
That's actually a, a sneaky year. I didn't think of that. But yeah, you're totally right because you have the Topps Chrome, the Finest, the Bowman Chrome 14. I think they have one random year of Bowman Chrome even that year, or it's 13, 14 or 13 for football. But yeah, you get the Flawless. That's a good idea. I like that one. Yeah. And unique, unique pick too. Nobody's picked that one yet, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with the on-card autos and the, you know, the game-used patches, so. Yeah, totally. And then final question, what is your favorite Detroit restaurant that anyone can go stop by if they're in the area? Is there one that comes to mind? Oh man, that's a good like question. It can be a chain too, man. I mean, it could be, uh, <laughs> could be a chain. Uh, it'd probably be Detroit restaurant. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would want me to say like the Coney Islands, like American and Lafayette, but I probably would go with a uh, buddy's pizzeria, you know, that square deep dish pizza. Have you ever had it? No, mm-hmm. I haven't. No. Oh, okay. So, so square deep dish pizza. It's pretty, pretty popular around here. Awesome. And then I guess I'm going to do a six for you too. What's, what's a card. Um, I should have asked this already. What's a card that we can help you find, you know, as we wrap up here, if someone's listening to this, they know you're a lions fan, a Pistons fan, whatever. Is there, is there a card that you're really hunting down? That would be great to find. Is it the 2014 black Stafford? Cause that'd be freaking cool. That'd be insane. I, I don't, if I, I don't know if I'd rather have the Calvin or the Stafford. Like, that's a great question, too. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, the black would be insane. Um, really, any of the golds, like, for Stafford's prism run, like, that I don't have, like, I'm totally a buyer on those. Like, and when they come up, I try Which to Which ones are you them. looking for? What years? I'm, like, yeah. halfway there, so I still need – I just got killed on a bid last week. There was a 2013 Stafford PSA 10. Uh, it was actually jersey number, which I, I don't put too much of an emphasis on, but – I did like more than double the last comp and I still lost out on it. So I was pretty disappointed in that. But uh, so whoever won that out there, uh, I will overpay for that if you want. <laughs> but yeah, I think I also still need 15. Um, okay. 15. So yeah. So 13, 15. Sounds good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, John, so much. This is a lot of fun. Really enjoyed chatting Detroit sports. Um, you, you know, your collection, your journey. So I appreciate you joining. Where can the people find you if they want to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at 313cards with a Z. Yep. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks yeah, so much. Thank you for having me on, Austin. This was awesome.